We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, again, it's the content czar from Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group, your favorite morning talk show radio host, Kyle Madsen. Kyle, how's it going, man? How, what's going on? It's fantastic. It was chest and back day at the gym today, Chris, so I'm feeling really good. Yeah, I did chest today, too, and I've had this shoulder injury kind of. Uh, for a couple weeks now that I've I've just been powering through, which is another good segue from us because uh, really strong. <laughs> the 49ers have been dealing with a ton of injuries uh, throughout this offseason. And we learned about a bunch yesterday when reporters were allowed to, to watch OTAs. I was there in the rain trying to take notes. The ink was bleeding all over my notebook. Uh, it was a little bit difficult, but we did get to see practice. Uh, we talked earlier this week in an episode we recorded Monday previewing OTAs and and really the five storylines that we were looking at going into this week. Um, and so if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. But, uh, you know, I, I think the big takeaways initially are, are the injuries. And um, we obviously knew about Jimmy Garoppolo and Jarek McKinnon and Quan Alexander. They wouldn't be out there. Uh, but there are a bunch of other guys who got who have been hurt or who got hurt. Uh, including Nick Bosa, who suffered a hamstring injury about halfway through practice during an individual session. He came up lame. Um, He was walking slowly. He didn't exactly seem super thrilled with the development as he limped towards the sideline and and was sort of on one knee as the practice wrapped up. The the linemen, offensive and defensive linemen, did did some wind sprints and conditioning, and Bosa couldn't really take part. He obviously 
was disheartened with that. I think if there's any good news to take away, it's that he didn't receive a ton of attention from the training staff. So it wasn't like there was a ton of urgency in terms of the severity of the injury. And, and uh, I've reached out to, to the 49ers. There's no update on the hamstring yet. Uh, we're we're going to go back and talk to defensive coordinator Robert Sala after a practice next Wednesday and hopefully we'll have we'll have a better idea of where Bosa stands. But uh, on top of Bosa, you have Fred Warner, who had his knee scoped this offseason and won't be participating in OTAs. He's expected to be back for training camp. Matt Breida, running back, has a partially torn pec, which happened during, uh, I guess he was lifting weights, uh, which isn't great. Um you have Garrett Selleck, who has a history of back injuries. He's out with a back injury. Uh, also notably with Selleck is he hasn't been cleared from the league's concussion protocol, which is notable because he ha- he had a concussion that cost him the, I think it was the final game of, of 2018. And so, I mean, what, what the 49ers have said is that even if Selleck had passed the concussion protocol at this point, uh, the back injury would be keeping him out anyway. They sort of downplayed the severity of that concussion, but we've seen the 49ers add at tight end. They signed Levine Toilolo, uh, easy for me to say, a former Atlanta Falcon who played for Kyle Shanahan there. Um, so, I mean, in addition to all of the the key characters that that are already injured, uh, I think the 49ers had something like 18 or 19 guys not participating at practice yesterday, which is pretty concerning. What's your level of concern with uh, with some of these injuries, Kyle? I think it's more concerning. Like if they had gone through last year relatively healthy, I think it would have just been received as, man, that's that's quite a few injuries coming back from the offseason, but you know guys aren't quite in shape yet and it's OTAs. This is optional stuff anyways. You'd rather it now than training camp. But because of their injury issues last year and the year before that, it has an almost here we go again feeling. Right. And I'm trying to sort out how much of the concern I have is because of that, like looking back over the last two years and how much of it is actually concern for things going into this year I guess the good news is that it was pretty certain with the exception of Selleck that everyone would be back for camp it was pretty clear like yeah these guys are just out for OTAs and I'm wondering if it was you know week six if they are are treating these injuries a little bit differently does that make sense yeah uh, absolutely I I think uh, I have a couple different thoughts about this first uh we, we do need to point out, we don't know, everybody that, that we've mentioned is expected to be back in time for the start of training camp, with the exception of maybe Jarek McKinnon and Quan Alexander, who haven't been given time frames, or at least there, there hasn't publicly been a time frame given uh, for either of those guys coming back from their ACL tears. So those guys look like the 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 guys to keep an eye on in terms of guys who could possibly miss the the beginning of training camp. Maybe throw Jason Verrett into that category too. Uh, other guys who were hurt, let's see, I'm going back through my list. You have Breda Selleck, Warner. Jalen Hurd didn't, didn't participate. He had a knee injury leading up to the draft. He did participate in, in rookie minicamp earlier this month, but he was held out yesterday, and Kyle Shanahan mentioned 
uh, just conditioning and things like that. Raheem Mostert had a setback with his broken arm. You remember early in November and that went over the Raiders. He fractured that arm and and uh, I guess something happened uh, with the hardware that got put in there. So the doctors went back in, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know if they if they put in new hardware or just adjusted the stuff that was already in there. But Kyle Shanahan said that's going to set him back approximately four weeks. Um, Eric Magnuson, backup lineman, didn't practice. Um, I mean, it's just it, – so, so I guess when you have a new – a completely new training staff and you have a, uh, a new head of player health and performance, uh, Ben Peterson, who worked with the Philadelphia Flyers as their director of sports science. Uh, you have to wonder if how, how they're approaching these guys in terms of their workloads in the off season, right? Like we see it in the NBA all the time these days with uh, these teams that are really conscious about sports science and analytics um, and sort of this new age technology and information gathering that they go through to evaluate the load put on these players. You wonder if maybe if the Niners had like an old school head athletic trainer and not somebody who wants to be progressive and sort of on the cutting edge of this stuff, if they would just have these guys play regardless, right? Like it, it I guess my question is, yeah. are the 49ers just being overly conservative uh, with these guys in terms of how the new training staff is managing their health and and just making sure uh, that the that the focus is getting them ready for training camp rather than having them ready for now for right now during OTAs sort of you know I guess taking away some of the importance of getting them on the field now to to you know incorporate with their teammates and and learn the system and the playbook and things like that. Or on the other hand, and it's probably a little bit of both, like maybe the injury issues are just the, I mean, they're, they're significant and they're there and the 49ers are dealing with them and being a little bit conservative at the same time. We don't really know because we don't get to talk to the medical staff. We only know what the coaches and team spokespeople say. Um, so it's, I mean, it, it, it I don't want to overreact to it, but I, I will say like the injury story I wrote yesterday in May was over a thousand words. And I don't think I've ever written an injury story, maybe with the exception of like when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt week three last year, that was anywhere near that long. And you're talking about like upwards of, you know, 18, 19 guys missing an OTA right. practice and a bunch of guys have injuries that we didn't know about previously. So if it was four or five or six players, it would be a larger concern to me, I think. But I actually had literally written down on my on my note sheet, does the new training staff have anything to do with this? And I think they do. Because when you're looking at 18 or 19 players, that to me is, is a trend that goes beyond, oh my gosh, this is more players than have ever been hurt. And it's... It's more indicative, I think, anyways, of the new training staff saying like, hey, you know what, this, this, uh, for example, Fred Warner's knee, like, hey, this isn't right. We need to fix this now before it becomes an issue in the future. You're going to miss OTAs. Right. Uh, something with Matt Breida, where, like you said, maybe an old school training staff goes, it's not completely torn. Ah, you're good. And then it becomes a lingering thing that sticks around all season. So, right. I think the 49ers, and I think I, I, I was trying to find it in the transcript, but I, I, I couldn't find it. I think I'm, I have it right here for you. I was just about to mention it. What Kyle Shanahan said about 
Yeah. So, yeah, so basically, <laughs> he said, and, and I, I, I kind of snickered when he said this because you know, like there's there's the whole idea about like like being due, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's not statistically relevant when say like a baseball a 300 hitter goes through a 0 for 14 slump and he's due, you know, people say that like, I think the 49ers might be approaching this injury stuff. Like, well, we're kind of due to have a healthy season. And so what Kyle Shanahan said yesterday was uh, we've been really healthy the last two OTAs and it's been the opposite during training camp. So maybe it'll be the opposite this year. We're not healthy during OTAs. This may be a good sign for training camp. I know which one I'd rather have, meaning he would rather be healthy for training camp than OTAs, obviously. I mean, I guess it's I guess it's just something you 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 sort of feel compelled to say when you're sitting, you know, when you're at a lectern in front of, you know, eight reporters grilling you about OTA injuries. But I thought it was interesting that it that he feels that way. And I just sort of wonder because, you know, taking taking shots on guys like Jason Verrett and Jimmy Ward and and picking up Eric Armstead's fifth year option and things like that sort of indicates that they're like, well, we've we've had so many injury issues before. Now we're sort of due for for a good health, for like good injury luck. You hope that's not the case. I, hope- I would agree with you. I would <laughs> I would not agree with that line of thinking at all. My- I'm not saying they're thinking that way. That's just sort of like how it comes off, the way they're operating in this quote from Shanahan. My guess is, based on on what Shanahan's saying there, is they told the new training staff, and I'm totally guessing here, but they told them like, hey, be extra cautious. Like, take every step to make sure we are healthy going into training camp. And from there, making sure we are healthy going into week one. Right. And if you're the 49ers, you'd way rather, you'd way rather have that. Like, that's so much, that's so much better than having a full team at organized team activities that are optional. And I think I think the worst case here is okay. Fred Warner got his knee cleaned up, so he's going to be fully healthy. Malcolm Smith is still is still working back from an injury. So what does that do? It gets rookie Dre Greenlaw in with the first team and getting some additional reps. Like that's just kind of good all the way around. If you're getting Greenlaw some additional experience or any rookie some additional experience, while also ensuring that your starter is fully hundred percent ready to go right. by training camp. Right. So let's go through the the five storylines we wanted to watch this week that that we sort of introduced in the previous episode of this podcast. And now we we have some answers after I was able to watch to the practice yesterday. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday. So the practice we, we watched was Tuesday. So the our first topic, obviously, was what's up with Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, Garoppolo looked really sharp. Um, his knee doesn't seem to be bothering him at all. He looks healthy. He's moving around. Well, he looked really good in seven on seven drills. Richard Sherman mentioned it. Um, obviously seven on sevens is a far, far cry from what Garoppolo is, is going to experience in games. But just the fact that he's able to get these reps and build chemistry with his, with his pass catchers and receivers, uh, and and have a better understanding of the playbook and still be an active member of of the quarterback room who's essentially um you know his rehab isn't over with but the way he talks about it is is he said the the big steps the the big tough difficult aspects of his rehab from that ACL tear are over with and now he's just sort of fine tuning the little things um and he's constantly uh sort of 
you know, this isn't a bad thing, but he's at, he, he talked about how he's at odds at times with the training staff because they're trying to hold him back from overexerting himself and possibly re-injuring himself, which indicates that, I mean, he's feeling good. He's feeling, he's, he's feeling well. He's almost all the way where he needs to be physically. I know there have been previous reports that indicate that he's ahead of schedule. Um, Kyle Shanahan hasn't, confirmed that one way or another but he did say that he firmly expects Garoppolo to be in the mix or to be back in 11 on 11 drills when training camp starts in late July which is good news and uh Garoppolo was upbeat he talked to us and I mean I thought he threw really well and uh and and he looks he looked pretty sharp I have a question on that actually so the only videos that really came out from yesterday and it was funny because <laughs> It was almost like you guys, you guys, the beat writers, all decided that you were going to tweet the same video at the same time. Because <laughs> well, <laughs> I have, I, I have, I have tweet deck open, so it just live updates mm-hmm. my my feed. And within ten tweets, I think seven different Niners people I follow tweeted a video of him dropping back and throwing. And then I jokingly asked if anyone had a video of him throwing uh-huh. and like five people responded with five different versions of that video, right. which is just perfect. So, but, but I, I have a quick question on okay. that. Did he do anything more than just the, we, we saw him, I think it was like a three or five step drop and he got rid of the football. Was he doing any more moving than that? So no, it, it, it looked like. Garoppolo was not encumbered in any way in terms of the injury, and he wasn't limited in terms of what he was asked to do when it comes to his mobility. So he was he was rolling out, he was throwing on the move. Um, it seems like all systems are go. I think they just don't want something weird to happen where you know an offensive lineman trips and then rolls into his knee, or um, a defensive lineman gets too close and Garoppolo takes a false step or something like that. Uh, they're they're just going to be overly overly cautious with him at this point. Was he wearing a knee brace? He was, and he has this new super lightweight titanium brace that he said he can't really even feel at this point. Wow. And he's going to wear that uh, throughout the season. At least that's a plan. And so um, it doesn't sound like that's going to be a problem for him. And, and we know a lot of quarterbacks wear knee braces these days, especially especially on that that front that front left leg, um, just for right. stability purposes. So. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, actually, if, if Garoppolo wore it, maybe for the rest of his career, just because, I mean, with, with the way he talks about the brace and, and how he says it doesn't really impact him at all and he doesn't feel it, it wouldn't surprise me if he just keeps it there just for peace of mind, knowing that he has that thing, you know, some titanium stabilizing his knee. Um, and maybe, you know, if he plays well, maybe it's something he, he keeps for the rest of his career. Right. So behind Garoppolo, there was uh, we got there. There were eleven on eleven drills, and and I think I said in in the previous pod, and and I made a mistake that there aren't going to be eleven on eleven drills. There won't be offense on defense and things like that. Uh, there were. That's phase one of the program. So that was my mistake. Um, and they were started by uh, C.J. Beathard was was the first team quarterback in the first 11 on 11 session. And then later in the second half of practice, when they went back to 11 on 11s, um, it was Nick Mullins. So it's very clear that Mullins and Beathard are still on equal playing field uh, when it comes to backing up Garoppolo. And that competition is going to, is going to continue going throughout the summer. Um, Oh, back to your, back to your Garoppolo video thing. Um, 
So there are only there mm-hmm. are only a few uh, portions of practice where we're actually allowed to take videos. So we're allowed to do videos um, like when they're warming right. up and when they're in the earliest stages of their individual drills. So that's why you see all of the same videos. Sure. Uh, we're not allowed to to take videos or any pictures of full team 11 on 11 stuff. Um, that's a great way to get kicked out of practice. So uh, we don't do that. And, and that's why all the videos look similar. And it's funny. It's funny, too, because I think the same thing happened with Nick Bosa at rookie minicamp. Like, I was standing next to a PR person, and you're technically not allowed to tweet from the field. But I was like, man, I, and I was j- joking when I said this, but I was like, this is going to get so many likes that I'm just going to post this Nick Bosa picture from right here. And I did. And and I mean, it was just funny. Because, like, legitimately, legitimately, the they make you <laughs> leave gonna the get... field or, like, go back behind the weight room adjacent to the field to send a tweet or post a picture or whatever, and then come all the way back. Like, it's just one of these. So when you guys are all tweeting at the same time, does that mean there's just, like, a huddled mass of beat writers walking around the corner, firing off your tweets, and then going back? Yeah, or Larry. practice just ended and we're all walking back to to the media room from practice. Uh, That's where a lot of tweeting happens. Oh, right, right. Yeah, because the, but because what they don't want, they don't want people live tweeting practice from their phone and being more focused on Twitter than what's happening on the sure. field because you can get situations where like something happens and it's blown out of proportion because somebody tweets something out of context right. and and things like that. It's kind of why I think this year I'm I'm going to refrain from posting like one-on-one battles that can't like one-on-one drills right. when like a cornerback you know gets burned by a receiver or whatever because that stuff doesn't really matter within the context of practice but those videos have <laughs> have a tendency to go viral you remember last year was Marquise Goodwin burning Richard Sherman right and turns out and, Marquise Goodwin faster than Richard Sherman right and then Sherman has a re- Sherman has a really good year and Marquise Goodwin doesn't Right. So like overall, looking back, you can say that picture or that video taken out of context didn't really serve the purpose that whoever uh, published it was was trying to serve. So anyway, the idea of you telling a Niners PR guy like and this is how you go viral. And (laughs) (laughs) it's super funny to me. A little bit tongue in cheek. Um, But okay, so let's keep going. So the the second storyline we wanted to watch was uh, how are the pass rushers coming along? So. We saw D Ford work with the starters. It was D Ford, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, and DJ Jones uh, at nose tackle. That was that was the first team uh, defensive line. So one one big difference that we noticed uh, the wide nine alignment that we've talked a lot about under new defensive line coach Chris Kosurik means that instead of the 49ers sort of running that three four looking front with the Sam linebacker essentially being the fifth right. guy in the line of scrimmage. Um, it's going to be a a traditional 4-3 look. So there are going to be three linebackers at the second level. The Sam linebacker isn't going to be that edge setter that it was previously. Um, It's going to be a defensive end. So on the strong side, that was D Ford with DeForest Buckner. Actually, they rotate a little bit, but it was D Ford and Eric Armstead and then Nick Bosa. I only saw Nick Bosa get one rep with second team. And I might have missed it. There's there's a lot going on, but uh, I saw him get one rep, and then I saw him get. They were working like two on two team sort of uh, pass rushing drills, and that's where he got hurt. Um, so Bosa was the second team, the the weak side lining up against the the left tackle, 
uh, the blind side spot. So, you know, without pads, it's really hard to get a good feel for, for how these guys are doing. But uh, what we do know is, is the way they align. So uh, we do have that. Um, Team ACL update <laughs> was another storyline we wanted to look at. Jarek McKinnon obviously is out. We touched on Jimmy Garoppolo. There's still no timetable with Quan Alexander. Weston Richburg was not practicing. Lakin Tomlinson was. That's probably the best development the 49ers had aside from Garoppolo regarding the injury stuff. Tomlinson suffered the, the MCL tear in the season finale against the Rams. Uh, so he's back already, which is which is a very good sign. No DJ Reed, uh, who had shoulder surgery, and no Jason Verrett, who's coming back from the Achilles. So like we mentioned, all these guys are, are coming back from injuries and the 49ers are hoping that they're going to be ready for uh, for training camp. I think that's obviously going to be the bigger deal here is it was obviously kind of a kind of a shock yesterday when all the news came down at the same time that all these players were injured. But the bigger deal will be training camp. If all these guys are back for training camp, all these guys are running uh, normal reps during training camp. Everyone will forget that OTAs even happened. Can I ask you kind of a personal question? Um, what time is it? Four o'clock. Yes. What's your uh, What's your shaving experience like these days? It could be better. Um, I don't have a ton of facial hair, so that's pretty easy to upkeep. But shaving my head is a is a real is a real son of a gun. <laughs> well, I'm real happy you said that, Kyle, because Harry's Razors, a Blue Wire Podcast Network partner, is helping our listeners find a better shaving experience. You can go to hopefully Harry's. our podcasters too. Yeah, absolutely. You can go to Harry's.com/bluewire to save ten dollars on a value trial set, which includes. A five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Enough with the cheap razors. Go try Harry's now. It's just $3 for our loyal listeners. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash blue wire to redeem your razor for $3. And Kyle, your head shaving experience will be dramatically improved. I can promise you that. I'm at harrys.com slash blue wire right now. And I'm going to redeem my trial. I'm getting one of these razors and I can't wait to try it out. This is Mike McGlinchey of the San Francisco 49ers and you're listening to the Candlestick Chronicles. All right. So the, the fourth storyline that we we're looking at this week for OTAs, what's the depth chart of the secondary looking like? Um, so we have our answer at least early on. Jimmy Ward has been starting at free safety. Uh, or at least he did Tuesday, and there hasn't been any indication that that they're rotating at free safety right now. Sometimes what the 49ers like to do is have, uh, you know, maybe Adrian Colbert started Monday and then Jimmy Ward started Tuesday. I think Ward has been the predominant starter throughout at least the first two practices, and I think the 49ers are actually practicing today, this afternoon, as we're recording this. But it was Ward who played pretty well, uh, or at least as well as you can in these padless practices. and then. 
uh, at right cornerback opposite Richard Sherman, who Sherman also looks looked good. And, and he's talked a couple different times about how much better he feels this offseason after getting sutures taken out of, of his his right heel where he tore his Achilles. Um, so he said he's feeling a lot better and he's really appreciative of the chance to participate in OTAs this year after missing him last year while recovering from that injury. So that's good news for the 49ers. But playing opposite him was Akella Witherspoon with the starting unit and Witherspoon looked pretty pretty strong. He played well. He broke up a couple passes. One was to Dante Pettis. Uh, I believe another was to Debo Samuel. Uh, I forget off the top of my head. I have to go back through my notes, but he had two noticeable pass breakups during full team drills that were pretty impressive. And and we've talked about Witherspoon a lot in that he needs to bounce back and and have a good um, have a good offseason and, and possibly start uh, because they need the secondary to, to significantly improve. Um, and with Jason Verrett out, Witherspoon and Tarverius Moore are going to get a ton of chances. Moore backed up Sherman. He worked with the second team at left cornerback, and then Greg Maben was the second team right cornerback. Um, so that's none of that is is unexpected, but I think it is notice it is notable that Jimmy Ward is starting at free safety, and and I think and we've we've both said this, but I think Ward is probably their best free safety uh, when healthy, and obviously the health is a big caveat. Yeah, I think if you asked me to predict the starting secondary, I think I'd pencil in Witherspoon across from Sherman and and Ward at free safety. I like the idea too that they they say Jimmy Ward is going to be the starting free safety. Like it's his job to lose, go get it. And Akella Witherspoon is going to start on the other side of Richard Sherman. It's his job to lose. Like, go get it rather than rotating guys in because it, it feels, it feels to me like that takes the idea of competition away and it just makes it, uh, it breeds a lot of uncertainty. Whereas if you say, Hey, this guy's a starter and if he plays well, but somebody outplays him, then, you know, the Niners are in a good spot. But if you're just constantly rotating different guys through, I'm not certain that 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 is best for everybody. So it'll be interesting to see how they continue to handle that. Yeah, and that's what Sherman mentioned after practice, asked about Jimmy Ward. Um, He had a bunch of glowing things to say about him. And and one of the things that he mentioned was that he thinks Ward is really benefiting from just playing one position this offseason. And he used the term, uh, you know, last year Ward was was a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Like the 49ers wanted Ward to be their sort of, utility backup uh, who could play every position in the secondary. And he started out the offseason program at corner, replacing Sherman while Sherman was recovering from that Achilles tear. And then he was moved around in training camp, played some free safety, didn't really settle into a spot until he was moved to free safety midway through the year after Colbert went down with that high ankle sprain. Um, so now with Ward getting the the vast majority of his reps, I don't know that he's getting 100% of his reps at free safety, but I think he is. Um, I think that will help him uh, really solidify his responsibilities in terms of what he's comfortable doing, right? Because, I mean, Ward is is viewed in that room as one of the team's best secondary players. And because he's viewed that way, they say, okay, well, you can play corner, you can play in the slot, you can play both safety spots. Um, we like you so much that we're going to move you around to wherever we need you, whereas you know, that, that really hurts somebody who's trying to find playing time at one particular spot. Like Ward didn't really have a chance to compete uh, 
because he was being moved around and the team had already penciled in Colbert as a starting free safety. And they had Witherspoon and obviously Tarverius Moore, who they were banking on to to contribute at cornerback. Um, so Ward was never really his offseason was never stabilized by by being set at one position. And it looks like they're taking a different a different approach to that this year. And I think that's smart um, for him. Um, our last storyline for OTA is how quickly are the rookies going to get up to speed? So. I think the the main takeaway from what I saw on the field, aside from the quarterback and aside from all the injury stuff we talked about, Debo Samuel looks good. Um, he's a quick study. He's a really good route runner. You can tell that he's one of their most explosive players already. Uh, he caught a bunch of passes from Garoppolo in seven on sevens. Uh, he worked with the starters. I thought he was really the the standout from the practice that we watched. And also Jordan Matthews. Played pretty well, made a number of catches, had a nice corner route, uh, probably about 20 yards downfield. I think it was C.J. Beathard who threw it. Uh, looked really good. Um, obviously, we've talked about it. Like The first three years of Jordan Matthews' career, he was a pretty good player. And it looks like he's back in that form right now. And and you obviously don't want to overreact to an OTA practice, but I, I came into this offseason once they signed Matthews thinking that he was sort of the Jeremiah Tauchu of the receiver spot, like someone who's highly drafted, has some upside, who they're getting on a cheap contract, who could compete or potentially pr- provide depth if they need it. Um, based on what I saw yesterday, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Jordan Matthews is in the thick of in in the thick of things in terms of either starting or uh, making the team and having a significant role because he really provides a skill set that they don't really have. Um, Maybe aside from Jalen Hurd, and maybe Hurd, when he comes back, that changes things a little bit for Matthews, obviously, because he'll have priority as a a third-round draft pick. But I was impressed overall with Matthews, who can play in the slot, he can play outside. He did the the majority of his work from the outside, but um, Trent Taylor also looked good, too. His new number 15 suits him well. Um, not that that necessarily matters, That's but hilarious. he looks healthy, which is which is the big thing. Um, after after having that back issue last year and having back surgery almost exactly a year ago at this time, uh, so Trent Taylor looking good. Obviously, the connection that he had with Garoppolo at the end of 2017 was was super beneficial for the 49ers. So if he can come back and and be that type of player for them, that would be huge because I think that was one of the the underrated things that they lost last year with with you know, without having a healthy Trent Taylor in the slot to help out on third down and things like that. I look forward to the podcast where we break down how new numbers will impact the 49ers this season. We're both like uniform aesthetic numbers, guys. We definitely are. Like there's no empirical evidence for it. But if you tell me a cornerback is going to wear number like 47, I don't believe in that player. (laughs) Maybe they're a Hall of Famer and, and I'm just an idiot. But just off the bat, I would way prefer a cornerback where 25 versus 47. So we behind to, to, to let our no listeners sense. in behind the curtain. You, re, you remember Kyle, when Jeff Driscoll made his preseason debut, the quarterback mm-hmm. who was drafted yep. in like the sixth round in 2016 or whatever. And yeah, he actually he didn't have those like disgusting truncated sleeve stripes that every other 49ers player had before they redesigned the, the stripes on the sleeve on their yep. jerseys. 
He actually had like the flowing sleeves and like the stripes actually looked good. Full round stripe, yeah. And we like texted each other. And I think I even wrote like a blog post about like, look how awesome or or either you did. I mean, I know I, I published think I wrote, it. I think I wrote it. Yeah, you wrote it and I published it. Um, yeah, we're just weird about football aesthetics. So good news for Trent Taylor is he looks good in his number. I think that's the best news for Trent Taylor. <laughs> good analysis. Um I'm trying to find the Jeff Driscoll <laughs> sleeve piece right now. I'm checking out. Yeah, so just Google Jeff Driscoll sleeves Niners wire, and I'm sure it'll come up. Um, Mitch Wisnowski, the punter the Niners drafted, is also going to handle kickoffs. You know what he did on his first kickoff attempt we saw during special teams practice? What did he do? He hit the front left pilot. Oh, my gosh. He was doing, he was doing like a coffin corner kick, and like that's where you just you you try to kick it deep into the corner not all the way to the end zone obviously you don't want to touch back you want you want the team to have to catch it and then you know return it 12 yards or whatever uh as a field position play and it took one bounce and then nailed the pylon and then i, I was i was standing next to matt barrows and we both wrote it down and i was like that's pretty notable uh given you know obviously they drafted him highly and and he he prides himself in his accuracy with both kicks and punts in terms of what he can do uh, that that sort of dynamic you can add to the kicking game when you can pin teams deep on kickoffs instead of just kicking it out through the end zone. That's something the 49ers didn't have with Bradley Pinion as good as he was at, at kicking the ball deep. Um, so that was notable. Our guy, Mitch Wisnowski. Uh Dre Greenlaw, linebacker, working with the starting unit. You and I both mentioned that we think he has a chance to get considerable playing time as a rookie this year. Uh, I mean, he he played Sam and Will linebacker this week, which is notable. But obviously, the caveat is Fred Warner's out and Quan Alexander's out, so that's why Greenlaw w- was working with the starters. But it's also notable that he's ahead of David Mayo right now, a veteran who's been in the league right. for five years. So, good news for for Greenlaw. Um, Justin School worked with the second and third team. I don't think Joe Staley did much of anything in terms of 11 on 11 drills. So Sean Coleman got the bulk of the first team reps at tackle. Uh, I think school moved around a little bit. Caden Smith was, was getting Garrett Selleck's reps. He was working with the first and second team. Mostly Tim Harris uh, is not participating in OTAs right now. I'm not sure what the reasons are, but you remember that one of the reasons why Harris lasted until the sixth round instead of being a third or fourth round pick was because he had two redshirt seasons because of a shoulder injury and I believe a wrist injury. Uh, unknown what is what his injury is right now that's keeping him out from OTAs, but it doesn't sound like anyone's overly concerned with his status at a training camp, like the other injury issues right. we talked about. So I think that's it. Is there, are, there, are there any questions you want to ask about OTAs? Any, any other mm-hmm. things we need to dive into? Yeah, I found the the Jeff Driscoll article. Uh, how good is it? Is it worthy? Uh, great? The headline. What's the headline. Jeff Driscoll becomes forefathers of 49ers sleeve stripe revolution. Man, I love the freedom we we had at Niners Wire. It's so fun. Uh, here it comes. Uh, there were several questions surrounding Driscoll's ability to throw the ball, and he showed why, going four for twelve for twenty yards and a little more than a quarter's work. <laughs> That's a mere footnote. That's a mere footnote in this game, though, thanks to Driscoll's magnificent fashion sense. <laughs> you know what? I'm I, I'm guessing 
so I'm guessing dumb. that article was the genesis of the 49ers deciding to alter their sleeves before the 2017 season and going with like the clean two stripes instead of like whatever whatever jumbled mess they had with those like truncated three stripes that they had when Reebok yeah, designed weird. those uniforms. Dude, the last line of this article is Driscoll may have been bad statistically on Sunday night, but he did look undeniably excellent doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why the Bengals picked that's him up. Peak, that's the peak of like my my football fandom right there. Is like that guy was not good, but his jersey was sick. <laughs> you gotta you, you should retweet that and at uh, the the Pulitzer committee. I've already done it. Okay, good. That's what that's one of my favorite things to do when when we blog about just complete nonsense. Hey, you know what's even worse about this? Is I wrote that that got published at uh, noon on my twenty sixth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you were writing about Jeff Jeff Driscoll's sleeve stripes on your twenty sixth birthday. Yes, sir. That's exactly. like the first preseason game. Yep. God, you have problems. I have a real issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Can you believe subscribe- that, that I did that for free, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, I can. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you guys for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Listen to all of the Blue Wire pods wherever you can get them. Uh, we have a growing network with a lot of different content. We have a bunch of NBA content. Obviously, the NFL content around the league is going to ramp up once the season gets closer. So check all of that out, and uh, we will talk to you guys later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.